This is hell. Thanks to everyone who voted for This Is Hell as Best Podcast and me, Chuck Mertz, as Best Radio DJ in the Chicago Reader Best of 2023 Readers Poll. Voting is now closed. Winners will be announced on February 8th, and when they are, we'll tell you how we did with your help. I am your Bitter Blind Broke Gap Tooth Radio Show, live stream podcast host Chuck Mertz, producing this pre-recorded special Martin Luther King Jr. Day show is Becca Ridenauer. Becca, where do you think you will be at 10 a.m. Chicago time Monday morning when we air this? Most assuredly, I will be in my house <laughs> looking for work. <laughs> so you will be conscious. Yeah, I, no, look I at you. hope. <laughs> look at you. That's very impressive. I don't know if I will be conscious on Martin Luther King Day morning. I'm not too sure what I hope to be doing right now in the future, as this is being heard on MLK Junior Day morning, is after a very productive weekend, uh, waking up early and having a very productive day, that's what I hope I will be doing. What I really want to be doing, however, is the entire weekend not having productive days, but sleeping in. So it's hope versus want. And my money is on want. I think I'll be sleeping a lot. Today is Martin Luther King Jr. Day. It is a notable day where we recognize more than just someone who stood for peace and against war and the military industry who stood against the person who stood against poverty as well as in opposition to the hoarding of great wealth. It's also a day that here on This Is Hell, it is very notable because last year, producer Seb Voper outed me on air for being so out of it so out of touch with the real world that I did not notice it was Martin Luther King Jr. Day until he reminded me on air and embarrassed me, humiliated me last Martin Luther King Jr. Day. I mean, I had my reasons for getting it was MLK Jr. Day, but they were really lame excuses. Like the previous year had been horrible. I was in the midst of suffering from a hernia that could not have could not be operated on for another six months. Uh, a surgery I'm still suffering from to this day. I had horrible PTSD from spending several months involved with the U.S. healthcare system. And anybody who has been involved with the U.S. healthcare system, they know what I mean. I just got in my hands on some really good Michigan weed. I was still in a haze from another whirlwind holiday break. There were all sorts of lame excuses I could have used for not noticing it was MLK Junior Day last year. But they all sucked. So, this year... We are recognizing Martin Luther King Jr. Day by giving everyone the day off. Instead of a regular show with a new live interview, today we are bringing out from behind the Patreon paywall an interview that listeners chose as one of their favorites of the year when it originally aired in November of 2008. And that interview is from only three and a half weeks after Barack Obama was first elected president. A talk we had on November 29th, 2008. A conversation with then-blackcommentator.com I don't even know if they're around anymore. Blackcommentator.com editorial board member Larry Pinckney, who at the time was writing the column Keeping It Real. Larry is a veteran of the Black Panther Party, and I believe at one point I asked him, he, I state that he's a former Black Panther Party member, and he said, I never left the Black Panther Party. He's the former minister of uh, the interior of the Republic of New Africa, a former political prisoner and the only American to have successfully self-authored his civil political rights case to the United Nations under the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights. Larry was on to discuss his two-part black commentator series entitled 
and Obama presidency. More of the same, only worse. Here's uh, we have. Uh, there's some links to it. That uh, first uh, one of the his most recent column on it was called, uh, or the last column he wrote on it in that series was "Prepare for Repression, Subterfuge, and Continuing Wars." Sad. He was sadly prescient. Uh, so trigger warning for those who may be huge fans of President Obama. This interview probably isn't for you, but please give it a try. Just give it a listen and think about. This guy was saying this before Obama was even inaugurated. Since Larry was on the show, it appears his <laughs> uh, his politics have shifted. He's now a supporter of former President Donald Trump because of Trump's stance on free speech and is or was a regular guest on the Alex Jones show. And listening back to this interview, there are signs he was going to move in that very scary direction. Uh, Libertarianism is a powerful drug. Manufacturing dissent since 1996. This is hell. This is hell. On the line with us right now is BlackCommentator.com editorial board member Larry Pinckney. He writes the column Keeping It Real. Larry is a veteran of the Black Panther Party, the former Minister of Interior of the Republic of New Africa, a former political prisoner, and the only American to have successfully self-authored his civil political rights case to the United Nations under the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights. Larry is going to be on this morning to discuss his two-part Black Commentator piece entitled An Obama Presidency, More of the Same, Only Worse. But his most recent column, which unfortunately we're not going to get to today because this one was so great, uh, is prepare for a repression, substitute, uh, subterfuge, and continuing wars. And we have direct links to all those articles at the front page of our website. Good morning. Good afternoon, Larry. How are you? I'm very pleased to meet uh, – or I should, I should say very pleased to be speaking with you, Chuck. Yes, I really appreciate it too, and I, I thank you very much for being on the air with us this morning. I'm glad that we could work this out. I know it took a little bit of time, but that's why I hate filling out those web form emails. you got to stop that. Uh, you write that Wall Street and the corporate media uh, have to the tune – of, of hundreds of millions of dollars engaged in a relentless, ruthless, and absolutely unprecedented campaign of corporate uh, branding and marketing on behalf of Barack Obama with the peoples of the United States as their targets. But why would you know? Why would these interests? Why would they put the effort and energy into putting someone in power who you know, relative to say uh, John McCain and a continued Republican control of Washington, is going to challenge that control? I'm not saying that they're going to challenge that control, but relative. To the right, you would think that they would challenge us controls. I'm not saying that Obama is going to be the maverick many have made him out to be, but relative to a Republican, isn't Obama detrimental to Wall Street and corporate media's desires? By no means. Obama is, in fact, the savior, at least as Wall Street sees him, uh, of, 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 of their despicable blood-sucking of the American people and the people of the world. The bottom line is this. John McCain could not do that. Okay, John McCain was already viewed as what he's out of, and that's the what I call the Republican Party Republicrats. Of course, we have the Democratic Party Republicrats. Uh, on the other hand, so what folks did was they found this colored guy, and I'm going to just be really blunt about it, because he's not a black American. He's a colored guy with little pigmentation, uh, uh, who's the and who's the descendant of slaveholders. Okay, not slaves, but slaveholders, okay, and whose father 
is uh, from Kenya, who, quite frankly, he wouldn't, uh, he meaning now Barack Obama, hard, found it extremely difficult to even mention the word black, and don't, Lord, don't ever bring up the word Mau Mau if you talk about Kenya. But anyway, my point is simply this. No, Barack Obama would be far more effective. That's why Barack Obama received approximately $600 million, as opposed to John McCain's approximate $100 million. There's a reason for this. We've got to stop being on this plantation. And that plantation is what I call, uh, repeatedly I refer to it, as the Democratic and Republican Party, i.e. the Republicrat plantation. So, no, uh, it, it, it makes perfect sense that Barack Obama would be there to be the so-called black, and that's in quotation marks, face of U.S. empire, U.S. imperialism, U.S. hegemony. So it makes perfect sense. You know, uh, leading during the campaign, one of the things that uh, I had mentioned on the air, and I had seen some folks uh, write this kind of analysis, and I want I want I want to ask you why this analysis isn't the case. This is during the campaign, before uh, Obama gets elected, when we are just down to McCain and Obama. One of the things that I had said on the air was and that we had, uh, uh, you know, writers and uh, critics and analysts say on our, our show was that it is possible that. Uh, Barack Obama would get less done during his time in office because of the pressure of the right-wing media, the kind of pressure from the right-wing media that is so successful that wouldn't happen uh, to uh, John McCain presidency. What's wrong with that analysis? Because it sounds like you're kind of turning that analysis on its head. Well, the bottom line is it's not about the right-wing or the left-wing or the any-wing. The bottom line is uh, Barack Obama is centrist right. In other words, he's right. He is right wing. And, you know, this is why he picked people like Rahm Emanuel to, to, as, as chief of staff. This is why he picked these people who are, in fact, warmongers and profiteers. So we need to get past this uh, 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 um, uh, thing about the, the right wing. And, you know, and, and quite frankly, let me, let me just throw this out at you, Chuck, for a minute. The left the so-called left and progressives in this country, i.e. the United States, have in fact abdicated, abdicated their responsibility to be critical uh, 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 analyzers, to critically analyze, okay? And they play on this thing, and there's a person's name I want to mention, but I won't mention his name, but, you know, he wants to say, well, it's really important that we got a black man Excuse me? But that is not what I fought for, and that is not what other brothers and sisters, comrades, brothers and sisters of all colors fought for. It wasn't about black and white. It's still not about black and white or brown. It's about people. And Barack Obama represents, frankly, uh, 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 a, a incredibly insidious form. Of, of repression and oppression. I guarantee you that before the first year of his term is even completed, he will be calling upon Americans of all stripes to sacrifice. Sacrifice for who? Sacrifice for his buddies on Wall Street? Sacrifice for, for Goldman Sachs, who were his biggest supporters? Sacrifice for who? So, I mean, we need to get past this, this thing of, of, oh, well, the right wing this, the right wing is full of fallacies and is full of something else, which I won't say on the air. But the bottom line is, 
that we as progressive, uh, quote unquote progressives, and I'm a leftist is, and, and proud of it, is that we need to understand that we have to, to engage in a serious political analysis of what we're looking at. And what we're looking at here, in my opinion, Barack Obama is far more dangerous and, and, and in fact will be far more effective, and I hope I'm wrong about this, but in fact will be far more effective for, as a so-called blackface, quotation marks, of imperialism. Now this country will say, oh, it's all good. Everything is fine. But what about the political prisoners? What about Mumia Abdul-Jamal? What about Reverend Edward Pinckney? No relation. But what about the San Francisco Eight? What about more the, the, the racial profiling? What about the fact that people are losing their homes just at an enormous rate? What about the fact, I mean, I can go on and on and on. This is why Barack Obama... This is why he was necessary for the, the, the corporate media, for the, the military, Ameri the, 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 the U.S., okay, uh, uh, corporate military complex as, that Eisenhower himself warned about some decades ago. This is why Ob Barack Obama is here. Yeah, and we won't mention Tim Wise's name on the show either. That's uh, right. I won't do that. <laughs> that's wrong. Uh, Larry, uh, you know, one of the things that I was thinking about, though, during this campaign uh, is about context and substance and the way that uh, the American is as a media consumer. I, and I wish I could remember this woman's name. She is a CNN reporter. Mm -hmm. uh, she covers the White House. Anyway, she was talking about it in the run up to the election. She said, what Americans love is a story. And John McCain has a great story. And Barack Obama has has a great story. And essentially, she's saying that the narrative that the journalists or that folks in the media, I shouldn't even call them journalists, uh, that people in the media try to uh, put on these, uh, uh, you know, the candidates as their story. Here's their narrative. Here's their story. That seems to be more important to the journalists, and which kind of makes sense. You're doing a job. You're making sausage. You know, you want to have this narrative. It's going to be an easier job rather than delving into context and substance and content and all of that. Do you think that more that that's the real lesson that is learned from this uh, this past election, that instead of looking at contact uh, content, uh, context, at substance, at policy issues, that uh, the American media consumer is really just interested in image and uh, narrative? Yes, I, I, I do believe, quite frankly, and I think it's rather obvious that the, the, the American people have been so brutalized and so brainwashed. It's not just, we're, just, I'm, I, you know, we're not just talking about black folk. We know about white folk, too, brown folk, yellow folk, red folk. We have been so brutalized and so abused, misused, and had pimped, I call it, okay, and bamboozled, as Malcolm said, that, you know, it's not about substance, and that's exactly what it should be about. It should be about substance. It shouldn't be about symbolism. Symbolism is irrelevant. Reality is what is relevant. Reality. And so the, the, the so-called media, which, as Gil Scott Heron would say, is eating crow. In fact, I think they're eating something a lot lower than crow. But the bottom line is that the, 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 the so-called media, which is really nothing more than the fifth column, if you will, of, 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 of the U.S. government, whether it's the Republicrats, uh, whether it's always the Republicans, or whether it's the Republicans or the Democrats in power, uh, they're always the fifth column. And, 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 and the bottom line is that we need to understand 
that we have to get outside of this box. We have to get outside of what I call the plantation of the uh, Democratic and Republican Party. So now they've found this colored guy who's going to be, and I, and, I mean, and I use that word deliberately, because black means more than color. Black is the state of being. Black is the state of consciousness from people like Fannie Lou Hamer, you know, to Malcolm X, to even Brother Martin Luther King Jr., etc., etc. That's what blackness is about, and that's what struggle is about, which goes beyond color and starts dealing with, as Martin said, the character. And what we got, oh, we got a character, all right, but he's a demonic character. And so the media has played, unfortunately, in this country, a hell of a role in dumbing down critical analysis in dumbing down people's, uh, uh, I, I believe, people's natural, if you will, I hate that word, uh, uh, desire to want to really understand and know what's going on. The media is out here to do just the opposite. Let me tell you about, uh, for example, I'm, I'm, I'm being, obviously, I'm just throwing this out, but it's like, let, let, let's talk about how so-and-so looks on the camera. Let's talk about so-and-so who had a baby. Let's talk about so who, who so-and-so is screwing. Hey, that has nothing to do with the trillions and trillions of dollars of how the American people, be they black, white, brown, yellow, red, are being screwed every day. And this is why Barack Obama is here. And it's time for us to wake up. It is time for us to wake up. You know, one of the things that brought my attention, Chuck, to Barack Obama well over a year ago, like two years ago, was uh, a guy walked up to me, brother I've known for some time, black American. He said, well, you know, we got a dude who's a civil rights attorney and blah, 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 and he's going to be running from Chicago. So I contacted my friends in Chicago, my former Black Panther Party friends and other friends who happened to be white. And I said, well, tell me what you know about this Obama person. And, oh, Lord, did I get a mouthful or earful, I should say. Bottom line is Obama's first connections were with those of the infamous Daily Machine. Everybody, you're in Chicago, right? WNUR? Yeah, yeah. You, you know about the Daily Machine? Well, that's who he made his first connections with while trying to pretend that he was interested in the campaign of Harold Washington. Harold Washington was in opposition to the Daily Machine, but not Barack Obama. Not Obama. We need to understand, if we're going to look at somebody, let's, 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 let's analyze where they come from. Let's analyze their roots. That's all radical means anyway, is root, R-O-O-T, the root. And, and let's look at him for what, what and who he really is. I quite frankly believe that Barack Obama is going to be, proved to be, he's already proving to be, if we look at his so-called appointees, the fundamentally most dangerous, quote-unquote, president that this country, or emperor, I prefer that term because I believe it's more accurate, uh, that this country has ever had, particularly in the 21st century and the latter part of the 20th century. You know, I, I wonder if it doesn't matter. Well, let me ask you, wait till the end of this for me to answer, uh, for me to ask this question, but I wonder if it doesn't matter who it is that they're going to, in order for you to get to that point where you can run for president, you have already been co-opted by that 
part by that point by what you call like the corporate uh, military elite, because one of the rumors that's going on right now here in uh, Illinois and Chicago is that Rod Blagojevich might be naming to to fill uh, Barack Obama's Governor Rod Blagojevich might be naming to fill uh, uh, Barack Obama's Senate seat. He might be naming Jesse Jackson Jr., who I have liked more as a politician than I had liked uh, Barack Obama leading up to this election. Do you think that uh, Jesse Jackson Jr. would be a, a, a better president than Barack Obama, or doesn't it matter because by the time you get there, you've already been condemned by the evils that are around you? It doesn't matter. By the time you get there, and I'm repeating your words, you've already, you've already sold out. In order to be vetted by the powers that be, you must be the acceptable Negro or the acceptable white person, brown person, red person. And what does that mean? That means you must be an acceptable exploiter. You must be acceptable. Well, a guy, I'm not going to name his name, but a guy said to me, well, this person is actually, uh, you know, for, 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 for uh, uh, an imperialist, is a progressive imperialist. I said, there's no such thing. Okay, so my point is simply this, that whether it's Jesse Jackson Jr., who in my opinion acted a fool with, with respect to his father, and I have strong disagreements with his father, but at least I have some respect. His father drew lines when it came to uh, uh, um, Zionism, what I call apartheid Zionism. At least his father drew lines there. But somehow uh, Americans, quote-unquote, whatever that really means, because I'm part black and part native, what does that really mean? But we'll just use that term, that Americans are now supposed to accept uh, apartheid Zionism as if it's okay. Well, it wasn't okay for the indigenous people. It's the so-called manifest destiny. It's not okay. But Jesse Jackson Jr., no. It, it doesn't matter. By the time you reach that point, you have all, assuming you ever had any principles to begin with, and that's an assumption, but assuming that you did, you have already not only sold out, but you have sold out big time. And, and, and that's just the reality. This is not just about Barack Obama. This is about systemic change. We must have systemic change. I don't care if you pick me a brown person, a yellow person, a turquoise person. It is irrelevant. We must have systemic change. That's why I can struggle along with my white brothers and sisters, my black brothers and sisters, my brown, yellow, and red brothers and sisters, because we understand that this struggle is about systemic change, not some sucker who can get up there and try to give me a rhetorical game, who can pimp and bamboozle. No, we're tired of that. And not only that, it's not just Americans, quote-unquote, being tired of that. It's the world. You know, I, I, you just that leads to a, a quote that you have uh, by Malcolm X, and I think that this is indicative of what you were just saying. Uh, but it also kind of reflects back to us, uh, what a couple of other guests were saying on this morning's show. You include in your article a quote by Malcolm X where he says, I believe that there will ultimately be a clash between the oppressed and those who do the oppressing. I believe that there will be a clash between those who want freedom, justice, and equality for everyone, and those who want to continue the system of exploitation. I believe that there will be that kind of clash. But I don't think it will be based on the color 
of the skin. Right. Uh, that is the conflict is more about those who are the oppressed and those who do the oppressing That's than right. it is about race. That's so right. so does that suggest that maybe at least within f- that framework of oppressed and uh, oppressed and oppressor that we are to some degree going into a post-race world because that's a term that I have a lot of problem with. Well, I, I don't think we're going to a post-race world. I simply think that we're going into a more racist world. But the beauty of it is, if you can use the word beauty, and I use that word mm, in quotation marks, uh, but the good thing about it is that my white brothers and sisters and my black brothers and sisters and my other brothers and sisters of color understand how that the 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 the, the, the we use the, I use the expression Negrodians how 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 these folks are being used to try to play us off against each other. You know, I was in a conversation the other day, just yesterday, in fact, where somebody said, very intelligent brother too, and he said, well, you know, uh, um, you know, it's all always been about color conflict, but it has not always been about color conflict. Color conflict was something that that's artificial. It's been very effective, but it's artificial. And and as as Albert Camus, the French philosopher, said, what better way to control a man or a person than to give him a vote and tell him he's free? What we need to do is take control of the narrative. I repeat, we need to take control of the narrative and make it ours, tell our story. So no, this is not a post-racial. It isn't even more racial. You know, it's, it's ironic to me. I think about the horrors that happened in India, for example. And, and might still be going on in Mumbai, okay? But, I mean, people shouldn't be surprised about this. Americans running around here talking about, oh, well, we, 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 got, a, we got a black man. No, you have an imperialist who happens to have a little bit of pigmentation, and the rest of the people of the world are not going for that, or at least a lot of other people on this planet are not going for They're not, as H. Rap Brown, Jamil Al-Amin used to say, they're not going to go for the ghost. So, no, it's not no post-racial nothing. You know, what it is, in my opinion, uh, Chuck, bro, is that what this is about is that people's consciousness, and that's, that, that's going to be the backfire. The CIA calls it blowback. The blowback on, 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 on Barack Obama is that people's consciousness is going to raise a lot quicker than they had ever planned. And we got to be out there by we, I mean us real leftists, us real progressives, we need to be out there and doing everything we can to make sure that our brothers and sisters understand that the only ones who's going to make systemic change is us, not the Democratic or Republican Party, Republicrat plantation, so-and-sos. There you go. Uh, you write that as it becomes clear, for example, the Obama-Biden regime will not institute support or provide single-payer universal health care for the masses of everyday people and will, in fact, continue and increase supporting for the greedy corporate blood-sucking elite of Wall Street. The people will begin to awaken. Why are you so confident they'll begin to awaken? Because when Hillary Clinton was unable to come up with a reformed health care system during the first two years of her husband's presidency, it was either blamed on the inability to get things done in Congress, the inefficiency of government, Hillary Clinton's own failings, or the power of money in Washington. Why would you think this time Americans, as you call it, awaken and not just simply chalk it up to another problem that can't be fixed by an inefficient and ineffective Washington and its special interests. Well, some Americans will chalk it up to that. But I believe that more and more and more so-called Americans 
will understand that we need systemic change. And why is that? Because, see, this is why it was so important to get this colored guy. It's like, oh, let's get him. You know, we can make people feel good about themselves. So what? They're starving. So what? They're unemployed. So what? They can't send their kids to school. So what? They don't. They're losing their home. He's a colored guy. Look, look, look. We've progressed. We haven't progressed. We've gone backwards. And so, to me, that's the beauty of it. Is that, and and even in time, even and I say in time. Let me be more specific about the time. I say to you, sir, my dear brother Chuck. I say to you that before the next two years, you are going to see more and more people of color, and particularly blacks, but not only blacks, in addition to white folks in this country saying, wait a damn minute, I thought you were the peace candidate, but you're expanding the war. Wait a minute, I thought you were for the people, this this redistribution of, of wealth, but now I understand that you come right out of Goldman Sachs. Wait a minute, what the hell? They, people don't like being conned. Yeah. Nobody likes being conned. And that's why I say that. You know, there are many, not many, but there are some blacks who say, well, Larry, you know, why don't you give the brother a chance? I tell you why. Because I gave the brother a chance when the brother, quote unquote, already sold out over 10 years ago, 15, okay, to the, to the Daily Machine in Chicago. That's when he, he blew his chance. When he pretended that he was pro-human rights, which included, by the way, Palestinian rights, Okay, that's when he had his chance. And now we see what he's always been. And so I am very confident. I am very, it doesn't have to do so much with specifically Barack Obama as it has to do with the, 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 the powers that be that have tried to install this colored emperor. Yeah. Uh, one, one last question for you, Larry. We've been speaking with BlackCommentator.com editorial board member Larry Pinckney. He writes the column Keeping It Real. We have a direct link to that at the front page of our website and to his most recent articles. Larry is a veteran of the Black Panther Party, the former Minister of Interior of the Republic of New Africa, former political prisoner, and the only American to have successfully self-authored his civil political rights case to the United Nations under the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights. Larry is on this morning, has been on this morning, to discuss his two-part Black Commentator piece entitled an, Amer- uh, an Obama Presidency, More of the Same, Only Worse. And we've got links, as I was saying right there, as well to his article, Prepare for Repression, Subterfuge, and Continuing Wars. One last question for you, Larry, and it's what we call the question from hell, the question we hate to ask, you might hate to answer. Uh, was Bill Clinton the first black president? Well, you know, it all depends on how you define blackness. I wrote an article uh I think about two years ago, uh, and it was called To Be Black in America, An Unflinching uh, Necessity. To Be Black in America, An Unflinching Necessity. So in that regard, no, Bill Clinton was not the first black president, by, by no means. But guess what? Neither is Obama. Well, Larry, I really appreciate you being on the show this morning. I really appreciate the passion. This is not the kind of... No calls. People love it. You've been listening to a This Is Hell interview. For more interview hell and to support the show, visit thisishell.com. This is not the media. This is hell. We hope all of you enjoyed your Martin Luther King Jr. Day and that you enjoyed our 2008 talk with Black Panther Larry Pinkney. If you did, show your support by becoming a Patreon subscriber at patreon.com slash thisishell or just going to thisishell.com and clicking on support. 
Becca, what is this week's question from hell and how are our listeners responding on the Welcome to the Hellhole Facebook group page? Right, so this week's question from hell is last week's question from hell. What flashy cable news name will you give our next forever war? And we have some new posts here on the Facebook page, and this is from No Walk Wolf. Okay. The Pissful Solution. <laughs> Gross. Uh, from John T. Quote, Battle in the Dust for the Dust. <laughs> wow. Wow. And the thought that there will be milk and honey, sucker. <laughs> and then we have Warren L. says, we've always been at war with Eurasia. Mm-hmm. Mm. And then from Fabio AJ, uh, the war against hell. <laughs> that's a pretty good one. Yeah. I like that. Are there any more? Uh, that's that's what we got. That's what we got at Welcome to the Hellhole. Make sure you can or you can leave your answer to the question from hell either at our Facebook page or our Facebook group page, Welcome to the Hellhole, or you can post it on our Discord community, or you can tweet it at us at This Is Hell Radio, or you can leave it at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash this is hell if you are a Patreon subscriber. We will be sharing the rest of your answers later on this week's show. Also, Becca, who are our or who is the one confirmed guest that we have for this week? The one confirmed guest we have will be Pulitzer Prize winning journalist Eric Umansky, who recently posted an article written with another past This Is Hell guest Umar Farouk at ProPublica titled How Police Have Undermined the Promise of Body Cameras. Hundreds of millions in taxpayer dollars have been spent on what was sold as a revolution in transparency and accountability. Instead, police departments routinely refuse to release footage, even when officers kill. And I actually spoke to a cop when this was all the rage, all the discussion, getting uh, cameras, getting cameras on police officers. And he told me, we're just going to turn them off. So I think that was the plan from the very get-go, this uh, fake sense of reform. When uh, reform isn't what's needed, we need to have a complete overhaul of the idea of policing here in the United States. Thanks to everyone for listening on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. We truly appreciate it. The future ain't what it used to be, and the past ain't either. This is hell. My demon is on my butt. No. Uh, my demon talks to me in profanity like a sailor. Uh-huh. And my demon tries to knock me down. And my demon tries to put me on a hell ride. Thank you for listening to This Is Hell. For more interview hell and to support the show, visit thisishell.com. <laughs>